to a culture of innovation. We interview exceptional leaders who embrace and demonstrate innovation, hear their stories, and listen as we explore turning ideas into tangible ways to create value and cultivate innovation as a way of life. Listen and be inspired as an innovative leader. Together, we shape culture and change the world. Culture of Innovation is brought to you by Ridge Innovative, where we practice innovation with a purpose to help companies use technology and breakthrough strategies to achieve business outcomes. And I'm your host, Nancy Ridge. And today, I am so excited to have our guest, Dr. Reese Aptar, who is a co-founder and chief science officer at Digital Signals. He is an organizational psychologist and data scientist specializing in applied personality assessment and computational psychometrics. As a lecturer at NYU and UCL, he's published scientific articles on personality and machine learning, talent management, and leadership. Previously, he led product innovation at RHR International and Hogan Assessments Systems. Reese, I am so excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining. No, thank you, Nancy. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here, and I'm super excited to uh, to have this conversation with you. Me too. Um, you know, I, I'm really thrilled that I get to introduce you to our listeners today and explore what I believe is an extremely important and timely topic. And I always like to begin by asking each guest this opening question as it gives us a little context for your perspective and it sets the tone for our discussion today. So what is one example of innovation you've seen deliver great business outcomes? Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, you know, I feel like I'm going to have to be a little nerdy here and kind of say <laughs> that the innovation that I think has really transformed uh, business society and both in the present and also in the future is really the democratization and commercialization of data science and, uh, you know, AI-based tools. I think now it's never been easier to collect data, to mine data, and to really understand and make forecasts about different behavioral trends, um, you know, understanding more about organizations, how they're performing, and really try to just make sense of the chaos. I think, you know, we live in this super complicated and complex world. It's hard to kind of hold a, uh, it's, it's very hard to kind of um, stay afloat and understand what is happening around us. I think the more that we can get our arms around data, make it easy to train and build machine learning algorithms and whatnot, we can try to stay ahead of that complexity and actually start to make, you know, better decisions when, you know, it may feel overwhelming kind of around us. And I think, you know, we've seen that, you know, in businesses at the moment that have really embraced AI for say consumer behavior and kind of ads and so on, you know, to a greater or lesser extent for better or worse. But I think, you know, there's a lot of potential now to use these types of tools that are now accessible to everyone to actually start delivering on, 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 on good, right. And actually help people understand themselves better, understand how we can work with each other, you know, all these kind of good things that we can get from data. I feel like we're kind of only in the first act of the AI age, which is kind of just us figuring it out. I think the next age is going to be uh, truly transformational. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's kind of my, my long answers to kind of the, uh, to, to the question. 
No, it's perfect. And, and, you know, I love how you bring in, you know, the relationship and, and really the, the personal or human element right away, because, you know, if we go back to the important work done way back in the eighties by Dr. Howard Gardner, who was a psychologist and Harvard professor who kind of was the godfather, if you will, Mm -hmm. of uh, EI, we learned that there are multiple kinds of intelligence and so many quote unquote smart people don't possess a high enough level of inter or intrapersonal intelligence, in other words, emotional intelligence. And yet it's generally agreed that that self-awareness is the cornerstone of emotional intelligence. And I hear you tying that, you know, to AI and these new tools. So I would ask, you know, why do we need to build self-aware workforces? Yeah, good question. I feel like, um, it kind of on the on the face of it, I appreciate it sounds a little fluffy and uh, you know a bit esoteric. But I think if we take a step back and just think about ourselves, think about the ways that we go about uh, working, interacting with others, and really like the tensions and problems that we come across. Right? I mm-hmm. think we can kind of uh, all agree that a lot of the the frustrations and difficulties that we face in the in the world of work. And it, much in our personal lives as well is through um, a lack of understanding. And what I mean here is um, our leaders just don't understand our people, managers don't understand their teams, and really we don't understand each other or even ourselves. Ourselves, right? yes. And like when we have this kind of unalignment between my reality and your reality, um, or kind of the intention behind our behaviors or motivations. We then start to drift apart. We get frustrated with each other. Why is someone behaving like this to me? You know, is only trying to be nice. Well, you know, we just didn't understand each other. And when you think about that at a scaled societal organizational level, you can start to see how these things quickly become problematic, right? How can we all get on the same page, um, you know, to start delivering good, but also to achieve, you know, our own goals at both that team, organizational, and also at the individual level. And so- Oh, sorry, go on. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to add that, you know, with so much more technology built into how we are interacting with each other today, mm-hmm. you know, that plays such a big part in it too. 100%. And I feel like, and this is kind of goes back to my, um, to my first uh, uh, answer to your question is I think, you know, yes, there is more data and more ways we can communicate. And of course, you know, with it's like uh, an oversimplification now to say that we're, you know, hyper-connected. But I feel like that's actually kind of part of the problem in many ways because we have mm-hmm. built systems and tools and ways of working, communicating um, that have been kind of technology first and then human second. And when we think about how all of these systems work, it's kind of this top-down approach where we kind of consider the, the human emotion, the human experience very secondary. And it's that these systems and processes are kind of the ones designing or crafting human behavior or shaping it without really understanding or appreciating, you know, the individual. You know, when we talk about kind of using AI to understand people, make predictions, we can never forget that the individual data point is a human being with a lived experience and, you know, and is emotionally intelligent. So what I'm really interested in then is kind of saying, well, if we have all this technology that is combing data from us and, you know, can monitor what we do. Can't we use that in some meaningful way to help us understand ourselves so that we can be better professionals, better individuals, better colleagues? 
And then if we can kind of all go on that journey together and learn something about ourselves and um, have this mirror shown up against us so we can work out our strengths and close our gaps and risks, we can then you know, be part of better teams, better organizations, better cultures, and ultimately better societies. You bet. And I love how you put that emphasis too on, on knowing ourselves better because, you know, for me, that's been a big deal, you know, as I learn what are my strengths and how can those get, uh, shall we say, distorted perhaps by things like frustration or anxiety, um, you know, dealing with new situations, which we all are to some Absolutely. degree right now. Mm-hmm. And those assets get distorted to where being plain spoken can turn into being abrupt yep. or perceived as being rude, for example. And so, you know, having that awareness reminds me, you know, that if I'm feeling those emotions of, you know, frustration or anxiety, I probably need to slow down before I open my mouth. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly it, you know. And hey, I'm I'm with you on that as well. I think like it's a, the first kind of part of this journey is just to understand, like, okay, we all have these strengths, but we also have these risks, and we all have these problematic areas about ourselves that we wish could be improved, and we know kind of strain and, and um, stress the relationships around us. The problem is though, Nancy, is the way that we get to the understanding has typically been very elitist, very expensive, and kind of tied up a lot in um, kind of hands-on analog type work, right? It's really why it's kind of only kept at the uh, top of the house within an organization. So what that means is a lot of people go through their careers without getting any meaningful feedback about themselves, right? They don't learn Mm -hmm. objectively how can they improve. They Mm -hmm. get feedback when it's... uh, uh, you know, the, at the least opportune moments, right? <laughs> when everything's hitting the fan. And that's when, you know, their colleagues will say, oh, why did you do it this way? Rather than, you know, actually having a open, honest kind of conversation about how they could get better. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we can do is start to use these technologies to kind of scale coaching feedback and coaching insights to, you know, everyone in an organization, but also everyone in their career journeys, right? So you can be uh, an early career professional, trying to figure out, you know, what kind of professional they want to become, mm. how can they, you know, really, um, you know, achieve their full potential, you know, right away, you know, as they start their careers, rather than waiting 20, 30 years for them to, you know, hopefully ascend the organization. And that's when they can get, you know, the, 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 the traditional kind of forms of coaching. Right. And it doesn't happen that way anymore anyways. I mean, I think, you know, the millennial generation changed that forever in the workforce because, you know, they approach it with an attitude of, you know, I'm going to seek the level that I want without waiting those 20 or 30 years, like, you know, like the baby boomers did. So that's where you see those statistics about, oh, their average tenure is two years or less than three years. So if I'm employing, you know, these incredible, bright, younger people, then I need to be able to help them if they don't know how to get to that sweet spot and that direction and focus so I can keep my investment and build on it as well. And, you know, the other thing you mentioned that really stood out to me was, you know, the, the aspect of, you know, how we interact, you know, as a team in this hyper-connected environment. And, you know, part of what I've gotten to see is as I start to notice those 
areas about myself that are more related to my personality, Mm -hmm. um, I can have a little more tolerance, if you will, for the other people. Like there's a difference between someone who has a serious issue that, you know, needs to be communicated about in some way versus someone who has like a personality tick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, yeah. that's them. <laughs> 100%. And, you know, and those two things are very different. Yeah. Uh, in the heat of the moment, it's actually very hard to, uh, to separate and, and put that uh, and distinguish between the two. You know, a lot of what we try to do at Deeper Sigmas when it comes to uh, team behavior and building, you know, uh, more effective, more cohesive teams is really just to give people a language, a language to talk mm-hmm. about how they're both similar and different to each other. So, for example, if I know, Nancy, that I'm really uh, disciplined, detail oriented and kind of process driven, and I know you're really flexible, uh, you like to kind of be more reactive and spontaneous, you know, on the surface of it, we could really annoy each other because we just work and approach things in very different ways. But if I can understand, okay, that's your talent. This is my talent. This is how we can actually work together to achieve something greater than just ourselves. And so a part of it is understanding and being able to describe our colleagues in a transparent and neutral way. So we can actually start to be more collaborative rather than kind of just saying, oh, I don't like that person because they have this personality tick, but rather they have something that's unique about them. Um, This is how, you know, I can, you know, add to it and how they can help me. Yes. Having that open mind, you know, for the collaboration. Definitely. That's great. So I want to dive back into the, the geek, the tech, the yes. tech part a little bit yes. further now. How can data and I help uh, us become more self-aware? Yeah. Good question. So I feel like, um, like the reason why data and AI and technology can help us become more self-aware is because humans themselves are pretty bad at giving feedback. Um, (laughs) We are very um, intuitive, which, you know, has its strengths. But what that also means is we are subject to various heuristics and biases that kind of shape the way that we understand the world, process information, both giving and receiving that feedback as well, right? So as a manager, um, they can't always be trusted to give you honest feedback because they may really like you because you support the same football team or right. you hang out a lot. So whatever, or they just actually spend um, more time with you relative to other colleagues. Right. So they have that, this mm-hmm. availability bias. And so they're not aware of other things that are happening in, with other team members. And then of course we have kind of the nasty side of biases around prejudice and so on. That makes it hard for people to get, you know, honest feedback, recognition and appreciation. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to do with, with deeper signals and where kind of AI and data come in is that we can build objective, um, less biased tools and methodologies that can really help you understand, you know, how you show up relative to, you know, everybody else that has maybe completed an assessment or, um, or we've collected data on, right? So then that way you have a very objective way of saying, okay, this is how say disciplined or curious I am to, you know, 80% of the population. And, you know, then I can start to leverage that data to see, okay, what has worked for other people that have a very similar, you know, personality or talent profile as myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about removing human intuition and judgment from, um, you know, the the experience, 
but rather adding you know, new sources of data that can elevate our thinking about ourselves, mm. but also giving feedback to others. Oh, that is incredible. I so love that. And as many organizations are now really seriously making a commitment mm -hmm. to diversity, uh, equality, and inclusion, yeah. what a great way to come alongside and provide tools that can support that. Yeah, exactly right. I feel there's just, um, yeah, it's like an imperative that organizations need to be kind of thinking about these things um, completely from all perspectives, right? So how can they help everyone, you know, learn about themselves? How can they shine a light on aspects of the organization to identify talent pools that were overlooked? How can they expand their uh, ways of thinking about talent? You know, it's critical. I think mm -hmm. organizations- Or even see where bias exists well, this within is their processes or within their organizations so that they have- specific targets, because it's one thing to say, yes, we're going to be more uh, gender diverse, but then, you know, you still have to look at how do we now focus on the inclusion part of that? Exactly, exactly. It goes like both ways, right? It's like, uh, with data, you can clearly see what problems you have in terms of representation and inclusivity. Um, and it makes it very hard to kind of ignore, you know, the problem that will be in your organization. But at the same time, you can then leverage that data to clearly track and measure your progress, right? So how is your succession planning looking like? Do you have a good representation of different groups and so on? Or do you have systemic bias in your organization? Like these things are very easy to discard, um, you know, if you just rely on intuition. But with kind of mm -hmm. data, it becomes very, very hard uh, to ignore, you know, the problem that is going to be that is happening inside your uh, workplace. That kind of leads me directly into the next question, which is, how can organizations use AI to understand and develop its workforce in fair and ethical ways? Because I think there is some fear around that. Mm, 100%, 100%. Like everything that we try to do at Deeper Signals um, is try to use kind of this technology, these AI algorithms in a responsible, uh, responsible way. In fact, me and my, my co-founder, we teach a course at NYU about algorithm responsibility and the idea of how can you stop algorithms becoming uh, what Kathy O'Neill calls weapons of math destruction, right? When you scale mm. an algorithm up and you don't know how it works, then it starts to, you know, negatively harm people. How can we um, leverage the, the benefits of AI and, and uh, machine learning? Uh, to help humans rather than disadvantage them. And so I think there's a few ways that we go about it. Like one is you just got to be super transparent around, you know, what is, what is it you're trying to do, right? And here it's about just being very clear and honest with your, your teammates or your department. You know, we're going through this process because we want everyone to become more self-aware because it's going to help them become better professionals, happier, more engaged, or, or whatever it could be. The second way of doing it is actually just having pure transparency in what types of data you're collecting and how that data is being treated. So, you know, where is it coming from? Is it kind of invading anyone's privacy or is it completely voluntary? Can you delete your data? Um, and then ultimately, how is that data going to be used? So is this data going to be used just for uh, individual development or is there going to be some sort of decision being made? Uh, based on the score. And so, you know, we very much uh, focus heavily on the individual side, that awareness and the development. But of course, there are other uh, organizations out there, you know, offering similar types of tools that are much more focused on the selection uh, side of things, right? Do you have a certain profile? And then if not, 
if you do, sorry, you can ascend. If you can't, like you're kind of out of luck. We take a bit more of a flexible view. So it's mm-hmm. much more around kind of using AI to shape development rather than uh, use AI to kind of put you in a box that says this is kind of who you are and how you'll always be. We take mm, a very, It's just much the more... opposite, really. Exactly, exactly. I mean, in the, the uh, assessment space, in the psychometric space, it's long been held and still is practiced by much of the industry that, you know, these dispositions about us are, um, are predictive about performance, which they are, but also mm-hmm. that they're fixed. And, you know, latest research by Brent Roberts and his colleagues is showing that with targeted interventions, such as awareness and nudging, you can actually start to shape and change, you know, these difficult aspects of your personality. Um, And so we are heavily invested in the idea of helping people flourish um, rather than kind of making forecasts about people. Oh, I love that because... You know, I, the vast majority of us out there, we want to be better. You know, I, I don't want to repeat the same mistakes that I've made in the past, um, you know, that have impacted either my relationships with my coworkers, my customers, what have you, or, you know, for, uh, for myself, you know, it's like that, that to me sounds like just a gift almost. that organizations can give to their employees to say, we're going to help you overcome some of these. And by the way, you know, it fits right in with the whole uh, acceleration that we've seen of digital transformation. It's almost like, you know, uh, an acceleration of digital transformation in the individual. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, I couldn't say any better. I couldn't say any better. Pretty fun. It's very So, um, on your website, uh, deepersignals.com, there is a, a really cool um, little visual there, which, of course, I, I love any, any type of, you know, algorithm flow chart, you know, show me a picture. I'm very visual. And it talks about awareness at scale. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious, what can awareness at scale deliver in terms of business outcomes? Yeah, so it goes back to kind of what I mentioned earlier around just people fundamentally being misunderstood. Um, and what we can do is help, you know, both individuals kind of have that, you know, deep insight into themselves, their behavior, how can they achieve their goals. But then when you start to scale that up, you have managers that can adapt their style uh, to their teams and leverage the cognitive diversity and talents within their, their teams so they can adapt their style. If they know they've got a very disciplined team, you know, how can they get the most out of them and balance their risks and so on. And then at their organizational level, at that leadership level, they can then have, you know, very deep, very powerful insights into kind of how their workforce um, is structured, how it's working together and how it's achieving its goals. Because then what you're able to do is start to align your strategy and your culture with your people. A lot of the Mm -hmm. problems organizations face when it comes to pursuing uh, new strategic goals or kind of undergoing some form of change is that the leaders set the vision, the direction, but then it fundamentally just doesn't align with you know, the, the values and personalities of their, their workforce. And so what we're able to do is then help leaders say, okay, you've got these types of people in your innovation team, you've got these types of people in um, your marketing team, is this the right type of talent? How can we lead them better? How can we create a culture that uh, you know, is more in line with their values and natural ways of working and start to use that data to then go back and cut through that bias, those heuristics that we discussed earlier. 
It's really about kind of thinking around self-awareness at those three levels, individuals, teams, and at the leadership level. Mm, which is so amazing. Um, you know, recently uh, there was a study that was uh, conducted by Forbes in conjunction with Salesforce. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what the findings were attached to that, and it, it, it was really just uh, the bulk of the data came from last summer. So it's really fresh data. And what they came back with, these CEOs, and it was, you know, several hundred CEOs from companies that were 20 million and above, and a high percentage of them uh, in the 80 plus percentile uh, identified that employee satisfaction led mm -hmm. directly to greater customer satisfaction, yep. which led directly to greater revenues for their organizations. And that that formula was fixed, that you couldn't uh, reverse or, you know, re-engineer the process. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing you say is this, you know, when you start looking at this awareness at scale component from a leadership level, it can really help you to create that formula to put it into action. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you have a workforce that feels invested that has access to kind of coaches, whatever that may look like, but, you know, meaningful insights into themselves, they feel like they're a part of something and that they're being invested in. They're going to then work harder. They're going to enjoy their jobs. They're going to better interface with, with uh, their customers because they're, they're happier. They're more engaged mm -hmm. at work, right? Because they actually feel like they're uh, being listened to, being heard, and actually being supported or empowered. I think when we look at the causes of, say, disengagement or burnout or dissatisfaction in our jobs, which I think the latest study estimates around 60 to 70 percent of people are actively disengaged at work. You know, we know that the cause of those things are because they have a toxic boss that doesn't listen to them, that is a bully and lacks self-awareness. It's because um, they don't have any investment in their own development. They're stuck in a dead-end job and feel like they're not being heard. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they have difficult colleagues and where their colleagues, uh, you know, are rude or uh, make their lives difficult. And then, of course, the final one is around kind of comp and ben, and then, you know, just access to the right resources needed to do their jobs. And so when we think about building a engaged, satisfied, high-performing workforce, of course, you need to be paying people correctly. You need to be giving them uh, good compensation. You need to create a safe, clean environment for them to work in. But then you need to, that only gets you so far. You then need to uh, attack that psychological element around people feeling that they're a part of something bigger, that they're getting in the investment in their own careers, and they're being listened to and heard, and they have what's called psychological safety, right? The ability to give, receive feedback, um, and then act upon it. If you can tackle mm -hmm. both the, the hard and the soft, then you start to have a very um, effective organization. Mm. That's awesome. And you know, I, one, one, I would say challenge that I've come up against in, in my experience in coaching people and organizations is they often discount these assessment tools, which are really at the foundation of what we're talking about here mm -hmm. as being inaccurate or just easy to game, so to speak. Yeah. How is deeper signals different? Yeah. So I feel like, um, you know, as a psychometrician, as a data scientist, there's, I got to say that, you know, they're right in being suspicious because there is a whole market of assessment tools that are very, very popular 
that have no reliability and no scientific uh, credibility, right? So they can be used a lot, but really don't predict anything and are more akin to, say, uh, horoscopes, right? On the surface, they feel like they kind of describe you, but really uh, they don't do anything. They can't make a meaningful prediction about how you're likely to behave or interact with others. Great for kind of uh, team development and kind of conversation starters, but not great if we're getting serious around investing in people's development. All right. Fun for this... happy hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then on the other hand, we have like these assessments that are really, really scientific, um, but are kind of draconian and really traditional and, um, you know, are very undigestible, right? So they're kind of daunting and people don't like to do them. And uh, it feels much more of a chore. And what we're trying to do with Deeper Signals is kind of bridge the two gaps in that, take that science where we know that um, your responses on these questions actually mean, predict meaningful outcomes, such as your engagement at work, uh, your levels of creativity, your effectiveness as a leader, as a collaborator, and so on. But then package that in a way that is more digestible, user-friendly, and kind of better suited for uh, the millennial workforce, right? Trying to... Mm go back to what I said earlier around technology being top down, you know, this is something that we need to do to people rather than why can't we bring people into that process, design this assessment experience or this feedback experience, you know, around people rather than process. Mm. And, and to your second question around kind of the defensibility or this, or the, their ability to kind of predict outcomes at Diva Signals, we take the science of personality and of talent uh, incredibly serious. Like all of us are IO psychologists. Most of us have PhDs, you know, studying these types of things. And so when we develop our tools, we go through a lot of work in testing these items. And so what we do is we have people describe themselves on, you know, using our surveys, using our tools. And then we go out and see how their responses to these different questions predict, you know, what other people have to say about them so how do other people think they come across mm -hmm. also how does it relate to their manager ratings of performance of collaboration what do their colleagues think of them does it predict kind of other things like creativity and their ability to maybe start new businesses and so on and so what we're then trying to do is really make sure that the feedback that we're giving you the scores that we're giving you are actually grounded in reality and that's how kind of how the ai component comes in because we're able to comb through these data points to build algorithms that kind of maximize these predictions or maximize the accuracy of the insights we're uh, delivering back to people. This is important because if you're thinking about the development and all the other content that we're able to share, you know, to kind of improve or grow their talents, we need to make sure that it's, you know, um, on solid foundation, right? This goes back to what I was saying around intuition and bias. You know, what we're trying to do is use AI and data to say, this is an accurate portrayal of kind of where you're at now. And this is what you need to do if you want to improve and grow and achieve your goals. And so it's much more using data as a platform to kind of direct people rather than to, um, you know, pigeonhole people or put them in boxes. Hmm. Fascinating. So, um, you know, if, organ if an organization embraces this for their employees or maybe their leadership uh, to uh -huh. begin with, do you recommend that? They start with the assessment, obviously. Um, I know there are other tools attached to it. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that too. Mm -hmm. But then come back and reassess like in a period of time just to see if there's some measurable difference or... Yeah, like we encourage people. This is a, a, a different part of uh, how we differ to other assessment vendors is exactly that. Is that like 
If you want to take it again, we encourage you to. If you feel like you've worked on yourself and you've been trying to improve and change aspects of your personality and what that means for you at work, then 100%. The assessment is always open for you to take it as many times as you would like. So you can go back, continually check in, see how you're developing, how you're growing as a both individual and also as a professional. And the way that we uh, stimulate that growth is as a part of the, the solution is you're able to serve up different nudges, feedback, and content that's curated just to your, your profile. So again, using my example of being really disciplined and really kind of detail-orientated, our platform will give me a digital coach that will kind of tell me, you know, once a week, you know, make sure you're, you know, not being a slave to your uh, to-do list or, you know, beholden to your calendar. Make sure you make time to be spontaneous or something like that. So these very small little actions that we can give people that start to have big effects, you know, with continued mm. practice. Because our personality doesn't change, um, you know, unless we really invest the time in making that happen which is why people find it hard to change because it takes a lot of time and effort. But we can use technology to make that easier um, and a little less friction. Yes, and I see, you know, the, the opportunity as well to gain support. You know, you're gaining support feedback right away through the system itself as it's giving you feedback as you go along. Um, but also, you know, I'm, again, bringing that human component into it. You know, there's others that hopefully are working with you with yeah. these tools, whether it's a coach or an HR professional or even your boss. Precisely. Like the way that it's always very flexible in that, right? So we have users that work directly with a coach. So they'll sit down mm -hmm. with a coach and they'll go through the assessment, go through their results and then build a development plan together. And then that coach is always mm -hmm. there to support the individual. But then when we talk about scale, that obviously gets a little cost prohibitive, right? And just resource intensive because of people's time and ability and so on. And so what we then do is work with managers to um, train them up to become coaches so they can lead and coach their team members and direct reports. And then we can have kind of larger webinars and debrief sessions where everyone can tune in and learn something about themselves in a way that you know, wouldn't have been possible before. And so every step of the way, it's designed to be self-service and intuitive, but we never remove kind of the human element that you're always able to talk to someone um, or have access to someone to help you get more out of your results and help you really make the most of um, your learning journeys and uh, the development resources that we uh, serve up to people based on their profiles. I love that, you know, and really... Um, going full circle, kind of back to where we started, that creates a different culture mm -hmm. within an organization exactly. and a culture of innovation. Yeah, yeah precisely. <laughs> I, I, I didn't plan that, I promise. <laughs> it just kind of arrived there. But, you know, I, I do love the the way that Deeper Signals and, and the approach that you're taking really does address those two um, foundational elements that, organizations, I think, today really must look at. It's it's 100% necessary that we have to be honest about the cultures within our companies and the fact that they do need to change. It is a very dynamic time. People's needs are different than they used to be, not just because of general rate, generational perspectives, which are a big part of it, but also just because of you know how accelerated our world is. Completely, completely. And if you aren't managing it, it's going to run away with yourself. 
And then that's either going to end in kind of scandals, that's going to end in ineffectiveness, or it's going to end in kind of stagnation. And so organizations mm. kind of need to really get their arms around it uh, sooner rather than later. And investing in your people is, um, you know, one of the most effective ways to kind of uh, start that journey. Super. So we've been having fun, but yep. I want to take it to the next level. <laughs> So what innovation would you most like to see gain adoption other than deeper signals, of course, yeah, yeah. as a given, but I mean, it could be anything. Okay. I've had everything from, I look in the mirror and my makeup is applied to, you know, I want to have the beam me up Scotty <laughs> button. Well, I think like if anything, I would love a smart fridge. And what I mean here is the fridge or the refrigerator knows exactly when I'm running low on things and can then order like a, an Instacart or something like that automatically. So I never have to be uh, uh, out of food or out of uh, supplies. That's like my, my first uh, wish list of uh, innovation. So maybe maybe <laughs> that comes true at some point. I, don't know. I, think, I think you have a good chance of getting that. I think so, right? <laughs> like, I feel like somewhere between like QR codes Instacart and, you know, one of the smart fridge providers that are already out there that kind of, you know, just put a tablet in front of it. Maybe the three of them can get together and make that happen. I don't know. Yes. And it, it's not allowed to order, you know, ice cream and brownies. And... <laughs> but this is, that's interesting because then like going back to the idea of algorithm responsibility, could you choose tune an algorithm to uh, be responsible for you, right? So okay. <laughs> yes, well, your fridge only gives you healthy food. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then and then we start to regress back to kind of analog fridges where we go out and buy our own food, and then we just get all the junk that we want. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've got a little private one. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it's not a part of the Internet of Things because then the smart fridge would know that we have this other secret fridge that we stock full of uh, of naughty content. Um, so that's my first one. But I think like my, my my my, third, my my second option or um, is uh, um, kind of continuation of of the first in that I really really hope we can get to a point where um, we own all of our data and that we can take all of that data that is spread across the myriad of ecosystems and walled gardens and that we have control of it we have sense of it we know what it is actually doing but more importantly. We can use it as a source of good. I feel like that's really critical for society and for the world right now. And so if we can get all that data, we can understand ourselves, understand each other, but then actually start to you know, uh, live healthier online lives, which I think is, uh, mm. is needed more than ever. Yes, yes. As a parent, now my yes. kids are grown, but still, I, I really see the value in that. And with you know, all the... Um, you know, all the outcomes we've seen uh, where privacy is mm -hmm. so critical and where it can work against us, you know, not to have our data being yep. protected. You know, that is so huge. I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, privacy continues to be such an important element of how we develop our technology. Completely, completely. And if for those people that are listening that want to know more about this, um, I couldn't recommend a academic uh, more highly than uh, Shoshana Zuboff. She wrote a book called The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. It's 
it's a hefty read, but it's fantastic and really speaks to a lot of these uh, these issues that you know I just mentioned, Nancy. Well, please, if you wouldn't mind, send me um, her name and the title again, and Absolutely. I will put that in the podcast notes. Absolutely. So for our listeners who you know want to explore that further, you know, we'll be sure. In fact, any of the studies you mentioned, if you'd like to uh, send me that information, I'll make sure it makes it into the podcast notes because I know that that there are a lot of folks that would really like to learn more on this topic and we'll be taking away from our discussion today some good actionable mm. um, theories and, and ideas. And hopefully, you know, like we promised, let's change the world together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Reese. Again, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and, you know, we'll have to revisit. We'll have to do our follow-up assessment in Absolutely. another, you know, six to eight months and Absolutely. see how we're doing. <laughs> Hopefully for the better. Hopefully for the better. You bet. You Thank bet. you so much, Nancy. This has been great. Thank you. You're so welcome. And thanks all of you for being with us today. And don't forget to subscribe at www.soundcloud.com slash culture of innovation to get updates on new episodes. You'll also find us on iTunes and be sure to check us out at www.ridgeinnovative.com. Have a breakthrough day and we'll see you next time.